I've just been to Berlin and I was invited into an AI sex hotel. And that was fascinating. But also on many levels, part of me is thinking, okay, this isn't the new way of how sex technology is going. I feel like we're going into this digi wave of sexuality and there will be people who are more traditional who will want to stay within their zone and their lane and then there will be people that will be trying these other things and I wonder how they're going to kind of coexist. This is Jordan Karras Dixon speaking, psychotherapist, psychosexologist and couples therapist. And don't worry, we'll get back to that sex hotel later in this podcast where we're exploring the future of sex, therapy, and relationships. Welcome back to Lives of Tomorrow. My name is Carla Bazashi, and I'm the CEO of WGSN, the world's leading trend forecasting company. And in this podcast, we talk about how all of us are going to live our lives in the future. So to help us look forward into the future of sex and therapy, I'm joined by Jordan Dixon, who works with individuals in all different kinds of relationships. Jordan, for listeners who aren't familiar with your work, could you introduce yourself? Yeah, hi. I'm a psychosexual psychotherapist with a sociology background. My first degree was in sociology and social policy. I've been working for about four years with the Thought House Partnership. I worked in the NHS, Harley Street and Great Portland Street. And now I work with Kate Moyle and her amazing team of really great clinicians. And I've worked in sexual compulsivity And I have a practice in London and work from home. Has there been a person or a moment in your career that you think has been really pivotal to getting you to where you are today? Oh, great question. It takes a village to raise a relationship. And I don't think it's a particular person because I've got a great therapist. I've got great mentors. I've got an amazing supervisor. And the other clinicians that I work with on the team are all integral to my becoming and for me to get better so I wouldn't really want to pin it on a particular person but um, I guess I'm really inspired by certain therapists Um, I went to go see Esther Perel speak about five years ago and you know she was amazing and her story really resonated with my own actually and that kind of helped me to realize I'm on the right path. I'm always intrigued about what drives people to want to do certain careers? And therapy is such a unique career. When did you know that's what you wanted to do? Oh, that's really interesting. To be honest, I've had many careers. I was in the police for about four years, uh, went in and became a police investigator. And I think I wanted to help people and I guess make a difference to people's lives. Mm. That was always something within me. And I wanted to alleviate struggle and you know that was part of my sociology and social policy degree as well and coming from a very varied background of a Chinese we were the only Chinese family uh, and ethnic minority where I'm from so Mm -hmm. I kind of wanted to help people write their own rules and I guess overcome struggles that we see in society and when in the police I realized that we weren't actually tackling the root causes then when I left and there was a number of things that kind of happened within the institution and then I left and went back into the hospitality industry and worked my way up and you know managed a Michelin star restaurant. <laughs> wow my goodness yeah. this is quite very bad background. Oh, yeah, completely but the senses and pleasure and food are interlinked with my work now which is amazing and there's a lot of curation that goes into an experience 
And obviously sexual experiencing is curated for us to feel relaxed and, you know, to enjoy our time. So there's a lot of transferable skills that I've learned in those careers. So you have made a career out of it. Can you give me a bit of an understanding of your fields? Because I think people have heard of psychotherapists and they've heard of mm. couples therapists, but what you do is sort of, I wasn't going to say more niche because I'm mm-hmm. projecting my opinions of this, but it, it's very specific. Is yeah. that right? Explain a little bit more about exactly what it is that you're doing. Sexual therapy is a various forms of talking therapy mixed with education. We have to be quite directive. Sometimes we give our clients homework mm-hmm. and particular physical exercises to do. But one thing that we do, which many psychotherapists don't do, is we try to understand the unique lived experience around meanings of sex and relationships and what people have experienced because a lot of people that come to me have been in therapy for six or seven years and have never spoken about sex with their therapist whereas we believe that sex is an integral part of our being and we want to understand what's going on for that person what's their lived experience what's their meanings around sex and we might educate and help them come to their own decisions on what feels right for them so it is different and we blend the modalities of psychotherapy within that and we look at relationships as well and we well we do work with couples and we work with diverse forms of relationships okay i'm going to ask you a question which i think probably quite a few people ask you but i'm going to ask it anyway do you ever get couples coming to you and you think that the best thing for them would be to go their separate ways or do you think every relationship is salvageable no and You know, sometimes I've been there where I've had to say, look, it's time to part. But that comes with time. And it's very difficult to see that in the first few sessions. Mm. Um, So what we do is we work together and we look at what's coming up. And if there's any resistance and why there's resistance, we talk about it. But therapy isn't about keeping people together. Sometimes people come to therapy to break up in a really like respectful way and feel like when people come to therapy and if they do break up it's not a failure they've come to therapy they've showed up they've turned up and tried to understand one another rather than you know bad mouthing each other and saying that the other Mm. one's really bad and you know I I just don't really believe in that and I think there's always a narrative with breakups and it's about challenging those narratives and trying to help people see people as humans I'm interested in sort of how individuals and couples are mm-hmm. evolving in this world at the moment. So we have talked a bit about globalization, connection, disconnection, but are there any particular kind of themes that you feel are coming out more as a consequence, maybe of a post-pandemic world, maybe as we're in recession in many different countries? There's a lot of activism and cancel culture out there, which I think means people mm. can be afraid of speaking out or not. So I'm just, I'm throwing quite a lot into the kind yeah. of mix there. But <laughs> okay. are there themes that you're hearing quite a lot that are affecting individuals or people in relationships? What we're seeing now is diversity within relationships and diversity within gender and sexuality. And I call it gender sexual relationship diversity. So I've been working a lot with polyamorous people, consensual non-monogamy and people that are in couples or have been together and they might want to go off and do their own thing. And it's navigating that and doing it, trying to do it safely and holding a space where it might be very uncomfortable. Uh, So noticing 
many diverse forms of how to do relationships. So that's interesting because I think now we've been given lots of choices and people are saying, oh, well, this is a new thing and this could be great for our relationship, but it does bring up some struggles for many people. So it's great to have a therapist working with them to help them see that it's not easy as well. There isn't a perfect way to do it and there isn't a script on how to do it and what works for one person might not work for that particular relationship. So I guess it's working out what's right for them. What is the advice that you give to people coming where maybe one party wants to explore a new way of moving that relationship on or new sexual partners? What is the advice that you give to people in that situation? To be honest, there isn't a one size fits all. I'd have to do a thorough assessment with that relationship first before giving out a blanket rule. But I think it boils down to making sure that attachment uh, within the relationship is secure and that there's loads of trust and there's already like a, a loving romantic relationship within that relationship for them to be able to go out and go do their thing. Because sometimes if we bypass some of the initial work that needs to be done, it can cause a lot of issues later on down the line. Let's talk a little bit about the future of relationships. So kind of broadening what we have been speaking about. Mm-hmm. So there are many stats out there about how, you know, the large percentage of marriages that do end in divorce. And there mm-hmm. are lots of stats about younger generations shunning marriage, but people are still getting married. Mm-hmm. Do you Here's a big question. Do you believe in marriage? Do you think that that is a healthy kind of form of forcing people to stay together? I'm interested in, you know, you're you're seeing people from all walks of life. We often hear parents say when they come and they're in therapy, well, we want to stay together for the kids, but kids are not stupid. And when people are staying together because of the shame of like potential divorce and they're trying to, I guess, maybe fulfill their duties of marriage but they're miserable that can have an impact on that child's life and they're not living truthfully you know like it's a case-by-case thing isn't it there's it depends on the intention of why we get married in the first place is it to do with our families and sometimes that can work out really well I guess I work with a variety of different ethnic and cultural mixes and You know, sometimes when family are involved, it can be a really nice thing. But, you know, there's also other cases where it's not. Interestingly, I think so often we see marriage and marriage for gay people has become a great thing that people can now celebrate getting married. But we see it all over social media and we see celebrities getting married and we very rarely have gay divorce and there aren't many the legal procedures are kind of behind on divorce and there's a lot of shame around divorce and you know like when we put marriage to gay people that you know now have access to it it's like well you should get married and sometimes it's a great thing because they didn't have it before but then at the same time when we're experiencing difficulties and divorce is mentioned there's a lot of stigma and shame still attached with that Uh, so it's fascinating really how it's looking at where it's, it's more critical approach, isn't it? So marriage can open up things, but then also it can close down things for people when they are struggling and making sure that we are not just romanticizing the marriage as their kind of gold seal of approval for relationships. Yeah. 
Okay, I'm going to change tack a little bit here. And we're going to talk <laughs> a little bit more about you. Okay. And we're going to come back to the topic in hand. And maybe some of these are not going to be quite as serious as some of the other topics that we've been talking about. Okay. So let's start with when and how do you prioritise yourself? Every day. Every day. I am a big fan of well-being, not just fitness, well-being and general level. So... There's a lot that goes into that, whether it's walking out in nature, sea swimming, exercise, music's a big thing for me, and reading and being with beautiful friends. Uh, I've got a really great community that I live in, and I'm really thankful for my neighbours and uh, making sure that I'm connecting with loved ones. So there's a lot that goes into that, and I don't work too late. I did in the beginning, and I recognised that I was giving a lot and I really needed to make sure that I was working certain amounts of hours and I take up a lot of traveling and do things at the weekend. So yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> I can imagine when you are taking on so much from your mm. patients. Do you call them patients? Is that I, I call them right? clients. Patients sometimes implies like a bit of a power dynamic with like I get it with a doctor but I think mm. many people think that they're sick and I really don't want people to think like that and I treat yeah. people clients and you know as humans in the room and just to kind of I'm very aware of power dynamics and I always want people to be seen as like humans rather than someone who's sick I'm not I'm not a doctor okay that's good but I can imagine when you are absorbing so much emotion because it must be very emotional in lots of these situations and very charged you need to be able to then clear your mind and all of those tactics and techniques you were talking about so important for anybody but especially in your line of work what will you eat if you're home alone and no one is watching this is an interesting question I have zero shame when it comes to food and as you know working in amazing restaurants food is so important for me and it's a big pleasure so I have absolutely I will not eat anything in secret that I won't eat in front of somebody like it's it's a big thing (laughs) I love that I love that okay then let's go with what is your absolute favorite thing to eat if it was the last the last (laughs) thing you were going to eat on this planet maybe because you're going to the moon what would it be dim sum dim sum and noodles I used to eat it with my grandma uh, growing up a lot and it just really reminds me of her and it's something that I do like you know on a a weekly basis when I go to London, I try and find different Chinese restaurants and I go and like taste all the different cuisines. Um, I'm a big fan of Celestial Peach. If you don't know her, give her a follow. She's amazing. Celestial Peach. Okay. Yeah. So good. And I really love what she does. Um, she's kind of giving it. She does a lot of um, supper nights and raises money for Hackney Chinese Community Centre. And she tells the stories with food and she brings all the Chinese community together because sometimes the Chinese community can keep themselves to themselves and you know it's about getting visibility and funding them as well so yeah she does great things that's brilliant okay what is your bad habit oh my partner says leaving the top off the toothpaste (laughs) and just in general with most things that include a top (laughs) I seem to kind of stand or slip on those things like a bottle of oil on the carpet it's yeah but but I'm getting better I am getting better (laughs) 
we had a lot of people um, at our house this weekend. There was a family celebration and uh, someone who knew my brother who lives in a different country came into my house and said, oh my goodness, you are totally different to your brother. It's such a mess at his and it's so tidy here. And I was like, yeah, no, that's the influence of my husband. My family was messy. I have been well-trained. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> You've talked about the diversity that you're seeing in terms of the makeup of, and I'm still using the word couples, but I'm sure you see larger groups than that as well, mm-hmm. especially when people are thinking about exploring different forms of relationship. Are there, you know, traditional male-female relationship that also is is evolving massively? Do you see a future where that is a minority situation? I think it's great that we're opening up the doors in some respects but then you know I've just been to Berlin and I was invited into an AI sex hotel and that was fascinating but also on many levels part of me is thinking okay this isn't the new way of how sex technology is going but then will this move us away from relating to humans how far do we want to go and then I guess I think the pendulum swings from one side to another so often. And we're seeing it in sex therapy. You know, we've had female sexuality repressed. And then now we've got this big movement of, you know, masturbations, everything, and that we need to masturbate five times a day and (laughs) have casual free sex. And that's great. But then I've got lots of young clients worrying that they're not masturbating enough that they're struggling with informing kind of respect in casual sex. So I feel like when it comes to how we do relationships, I think we might go so far. And then I guess things usually kilter to the middle. And I think it is, whilst we're opening up a lot of things, it can still become quite stressful. And I think some structure is important for us to have, like a sense of, intention why we're going towards certain relationships because I think liberation uh, I I mean sex is transformative and this is my job I want to help people I guess find their own freedom but that might not be the exact same freedom as what some sex educator or even a sex therapist you know like sex therapists we we're all not trained the same and what we see on social media is very conflicting. So I just, I even say to clients, question everything, question me. (laughs) You know, if it's not working for you, that's your truth, you know, know thyself. And I think, I don't think there is a superior form of relationship, but I think having a sense of centeredness and structure and a sense of belonging and a sense of respect for one's own body and how to use it, that's really important for that individual because while some people might think it's liberating, it's not for others. And some yeah. people's voices get louder and then that silences others as well. And with cancel culture and everything else in between, it's very difficult for certain therapists to speak out, you know. So it's it's a really interesting time that we're in. Tell me a little bit more about the Sex AI Hotel in Berlin. Because <laughs> I haven't heard those words put together before and I work in trend forecasting. So ah, I now okay. need to know more. Yeah, so I have some connections in Berlin. I was invited to this new brothel called Kakashi. And it was basically, it's the guy called Philippe. He's amazing. His mind is incredible. He's definitely a past gamer. And he's set up this brothel where you can meet one of the dolls that's got a personality. And they've got some VR design. 
And yeah, it was very interesting, that whole experience. I'd been at a spa all day, a Balinese spa, and I was feeling very zen. And then I ended up going into this kind of red light lit brothel and then seeing all the dolls. And yeah, seeing basically I was there live time when there was a, I, I wasn't in the room, obviously, but um, yeah, there was mm. something, there was a, an experience happening for one person. And then, you know, I got to see the doll after and it was, yeah, it was fascinating. But I think part of me was intrigued. Part of me was still, I think I had a lot of emotions around it, actually. And I had to take a few days to reflect on them because I think it could offer, hmm, actually, I think we're scratching the surface. It is entertainment and it's sold as entertainment. So Mm -hmm. I, I spoke to Philippe who set it up. And he said, yeah. you know, it is a form of entertainment. It's not about falling in love with a doll. But these dolls are very cleverly made and they have personalities. And, you know, you can the client can speak to them by WhatsApp or voice note and have yeah. an experience with them. But I think when I spoke to Philippe, he was very boundaried and he said, we make sure the clients know that that doll is never going to fall in love with them. But I asked the questions, you know, how far is going too far? And, you know, like, is this kind of stopping humans who could connect with another human because they've got this outlet that they might never? So we had these conversations and I found him really interesting. But then part of me felt like it wasn't really going to the root cause of people's isolation. And I keep on saying about the village and I think, all of the resources that it takes to make one of those dolls and make the VR headset and those images, those resources could be put into different things. But this is, again, I feel like we're going into this digi wave of sexuality and there will be people who are more traditional who will want to stay within their zone and their lane and then there will be people that will be trying these other things and I wonder how they're going to kind of coexist. I mean, the ability to explore in a safe environment you can definitely see the positive side of that so use the Mm -hmm. use the term digisexuality and again I mean that's clearly not my area of expertise at all but there are clearly pros to that and there are cons as well you know a maybe more old-fashioned topic for us might be that whole generations of men in particular being educated about sex via porn Mm -hmm. and the negative impact that that is having and there is a lot of research on that topic i mean it'd be interested in your you know professional view of that but digisexuality is kind of a step on from that which is Mm. not just seeing something played out but getting to experience something and is that going to make us healthier human beings as a consequence or less healthy and what does that mean for relationships in whatever form those might take i don't think it should replace but might enhance their way of understanding their own sexuality I think we'd need more data as sex therapists and researchers before we actually come to conclusions I think when it comes to learning about sex through porn I also do think that porn is I mean this is a critical debate where porn is a a form of entertainment for a lot of men and women and everybody in between and You know, I think we have to also recognise people's ability to separate entertainment from real life as well. And, you know, many of us watch action films where people are chopping off people's heads with lightsabers and we don't go around, you know, in the streets with a lightsaber. So (laughs) I feel like we have to give a lot of people 
due credit and young people due credit and not patronise them and think that just because they've watched a porno that they're going to think that that's real life. Again, you're a very positive person and I love that positive take on it. And mm. and you are right. There is the discourse is that it's negative and clearly there are positives in there. And if it is but, yeah. people or, or yes, it's just seen as entertainment, then. Yeah, but I'm not pro and I'm not way. kind of, I think we have to look at what's coming up for that person in their individual life. And I think there are many cases where people have used porn compulsively and it impacts their, the way that they relate to people. There definitely is stuff out there that isn't great. But then at the same time, for many people who didn't have sex education around how to have gay sex, for example, porn is a great way for us to understand maybe things that we didn't get to learn. So Again, it's a very nuanced, critical debate. For anyone who's listening who maybe identifies with some of the topics that we've spoken about, what's your advice in terms of seeking out people like you? You know, what should they be searching and why should they be coming to someone with your area of expertise versus a more traditional couples counsellor or something like that? Mm, I feel like if you were, so COSRUT, which is uh, the College of Sexual Relationship Therapists, are a great place to start because most therapists that are on there have been trained properly because there's a lot of therapists out there that say that they are specialised in sex and relationships but don't have the specialist training. And you want you want to look for a therapist with contemporary training and uh, somebody who has gone through the approved course by that's been accredited by COSRA. But even when you find a therapist, you know, read their profile, have a meeting with them, get a good feel for them and ask them questions, uh, look at their background and make sure that they're going to be able to speak to you. I think so often we look at the way that people look. You know, I've been in conferences with other therapists that have been trained more traditionally and I've had certain reservations around those therapists but actually I've been really nicely surprised so don't judge a book by its cover I see every day on a day-to-day basis people who have issues okay so constantly seeing the ones that are struggling are you I think I know the answer to this are you more positive or anxious about the future of relationships like in everything like in nature things snap back (laughs) to how they're supposed to go And I feel like when we, like an elastic band, when we stretch so far, it has to come back to the middle. So my thoughts are more centred and I I try not to get swept away with the, like, you know, with the AI sex hotel. That's obviously one way. And I think it's important to remain with our feet on the ground and come back to a place of the middle ground for people. So part of my work why I'm here is to help people find out who they are and what works for them and if I start getting lost in the anxiety <laughs> who, who <laughs> then we put no hope <laughs> yeah exactly so you know I've uh, I, I remain positive about the future and that's what I'm working towards and that's my mission and I've got great therapists that are also doing the same so and we you know we're not just in the therapy rooms we're out there we're 
we're writing new kind of media TV scripts, we're writing, you know, for magazines, we're in the papers, we're, we're really all trying. And we've got some great therapists at Cosrot. Silver Neves is one of them. Kate Moyle's a great one. You've got Dr. Karen Gurney, Meg John Barker. You've got so many great therapists that are really trying to get the word out and have been getting the word out and they're changing the narratives. So, yeah, I'm very hopeful. Thank you, Jordan. That was so interesting. You've given me a huge amount to think about. I'm fairly opinionated and I can can condense information quite quickly. I think that's the journalist in my background, but there's quite a lot there. I'm not entirely sure where I sit at the moment, so I'm going to go away and ponder it. Thank you for joining this podcast. That's it for today. A big thank you to my guest, Jordan Dixon, psychotherapist, psychosexologist and couples therapist. I hope in this episode you learned something new and maybe formed a different view on today's topic. Next week, WGSN's Create Tomorrow podcast is back with another episode looking at the future of product design. I'm Kala Bazashi, CEO of WGSN. I'll see you next time.